0: and welcome new friends. My name is Megan and this is my podcast Pursuit of Unhappiness. For new listeners every episode I take a deep dive with my guests about their life experiences life lessons with the goal to share with all of you new perspectives. I believe there is so much power in learning from one another that allows us to undercover new things about ourselves and the more we we uncover about our individual self the closer we get to feeling what we are all looking for and that's purpose today i want to share with you a conversation i had with my friend tim zidek he was one of the early listeners to the show and that became a way we connected which i just sincerely appreciate Tim took me through the journey from working in the culinary world to getting his foot into the beer industry and the lessons he learned along the way. I found it cool to learn what translated from him working in a kitchen and behind a bar to his job as a brewer. And also, I wanted to catch him before he moved to motherfucking Copenhagen to brew with tool. So I'm very appreciative uh, for him finding the time before he left. This episode is super heavy on the beer industry talk just as a heads up, but it's also could be really great if you're interested in getting a little bit more insight into the beer world or maybe have interest in getting your foot in the door. Um, this episode is really good with some uh, tips and just some suggestions that may uh, you know, allow you to get your journey started. Now, towards the end of the show, Tim mentions one of the best things you could do to get your foot in the door, and that is hang around beer industry folks. And um, I that stood out to me a lot because I just started reading Atomic Habits by James Clear this week, and I found a really cool tie between the two. So the book, Atomic Habits, breaks down how we can change our own habits by making very small incremental changes in our lives. And one of the tools that James Clear talks about is how our environment can shift our habits over time, which sounds like a no-brainer, but it's something we can easily overlook because as social beings, we would much prefer to stay within a very comfortable space um, or place or with just like a group of people than to possibly shift the environment we exist in or the people we surround ourselves with. But I think it's something great to keep in mind if you feel stuck or are looking for a change in your career, or simply looking just to evaluate your own habits. And that tie over to the craft beer industry is that um, if you start hanging around like craft beer folks, you not only like learn about the craft beer industry a little bit further, you'll get some insight, but also it could be a really great way to. Um, get your foot in the door is just by making connections with people and being around this environment. So anywho, all right, now let's get into my talk with Tim. But before that, I just want to say how much I appreciate all of you supporting the show. If you'd like to continue to support the show and the other work that I'm doing, you can follow my adventures primarily on Instagram and my handle is Megan from the Black Lagoon. I did also recently swap over this art page i was sitting on that's called butter gang with three t's uh to the pursuit of unhappiness page so um you can find that from my megan from the black lagoon page or just look up butter gang again three t's but anywho without further ado here's my talk with tim
1: hi tim how are you doing today
2: (laughs) Hi. <laughs> Doing well, gonna, thank you. I'm just going to jump into this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Tim, do you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Like who you are, what you do, where you're based out of?
2: Uh, so I'm Tim. Uh, uh, let's see. I am currently based out of Portland, Oregon. Um, I was a brewer for a brewery called Little Beast Brewing, um, but currently in less than a week i am moving to copenhagen denmark for a job at so Toll.
1: fucking cool <laughs> so jealous
2: yeah it's yeah it's yeah. Uh, let's see yeah like i you know i mean aside from brewing i'm you know i, I know we've talked i know we've touched on this a lot it's just like big about music big about movies but mm-hmm. uh, um i definitely when it comes to food and wine and drink i am all about it so Yeah, I would say that's a general shtick.
1: Nice. There's a few reasons why we became friends, you know. Um, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) um, I really want to talk about, because I uh, remember just like a few months ago, or maybe it was like early on when we first started talking, that like you were just pretty much like, yeah, I bought a ticket to go to Europe and I'm not coming back. And I was like, oh, cool. And then you ended up getting this job. But so before we jump into like that process, I was curious... Because I thought I saw that you have like a culinary background, correct? I do, yes. Do you want to talk um, me through like how you went from like where you started there to how that translated over into getting into beer?
2: So let's see, what was it? It was in 2013, no, 2014. I was living in New York City, uh, working at a restaurant, and I was a frequent patron of this beer bar in the East Village called Proletariat um I used to work I used to run a pudding shop next door so I became friends with everyone over there um and I really love beer and so when I was at the when I was at the restaurant I was just like they need some help on the weekend and I was like I'm only working four days I want to you know make more money and spend more time with beer so work like they just threw me in and I started beer tending that was like my first like somewhat like start in beer per se and then uh and then what was it? I, then I continued my culinary career, moved to Portland to open up a restaurant, did that, and then I just decided to take a break from cooking professionally only because I was still dealing with, still trying to figure out like, uh, like my anxiety and all this stuff. So I was like, this is a really too much of a fast paced, high intense environment, I can't sit back and figure it out. So I transitioned to a beer bar in town went to an, and went to another one and I kind of weaseled my way into little beast like helping out <laughs> on the weekends it's
1: how you do it sometimes
2: yeah so yeah it was just like I just like that's how I've like gotten a lot of my jobs I kind of just talk to people and I'll be like you need help what's this what's that you know and then just it kind of just snowballed from there
1: yeah I I feel like that there's like a few avenues of how people get into craft beer. And like one of them is that where I, I feel like I tried that early on and it didn't work. Well, I guess mm-hmm. it kind of worked. Like uh, like originally coming from Western New York, I like kept on applying to at Southern tier brewing company mm-hmm. and they kept not hiring me. I was like, okay, moving on. But like, I had, um, I like my nephew was born and I had interest in like moving home to like be around that, you know, him growing up and stuff like that. And then someone I knew worked there actually finally offered me a job, but it was like the lowest paying job probably. I mean, she was like, it's going to be 40 hours a week, eight to four, but it'll be a dollar over minimum wage. If you want it, it's yours. I was like, boom, I'll take it and move Mm. back to my parents' house for like two weeks later. (laughs) I was like, done. But I, yeah, so, like, I, I, but I think it's interesting how, like, and what year was that, like, that you moved to Portland, like, ended up kind of getting in with Little Beast?
2: I, so, I moved to Portland at the end of 2014, but <clears throat> I got into Little Beast, like, right in, the like, January of 2018.
1: Cool. Did you ever find, like, so, it, moving your way up to it, did they ever, like, hire anyone who, like, because I always felt, like, there was a competition between, like, as, getting an education became more important that like i was always fearful of like people like anyone who came to me was like how do i get into this i was like just go take a class somewhere go do something because it's going to be really hard otherwise did you mm-hmm. feel ever feel that way or you know?
2: uh not uh, with little Beast, not necessarily only because it was such a small company mm-hmm. Is it because um, this was like the like the brainchild um, individual project for Charles Porter, formerly of Logston and Brewing. Mm. Um, and so it was just him and another brewer at the time. And so and I would I would just go and be like, hey, do you want help cleaning kegs? Do you want this? Like, you know, just kind of like for me, like, I think I think what made me stand out was to Charles and the rest of the company was that I was just willing to just take on whatever task Mm -hmm. they needed. Um, Especially after building, especially after helping build out the pub in Southeast Portland, I would go help out the brewery every once in a while, like, uh, because we moved the brewery from one spot to a larger space. And so I was like, all right, cool. Like, let's take the old boiler out. Let's bring a new ramp in. Let's put the whole glycol system ourselves. So I was just doing that on my weekends. And so, and so for me, I mean, like, I didn't have a formal education per se, but mm-hmm. I feel like, um, I had more just kind of like the go, like, go get it attitude, like Tenacity. yeah. And, and, and then all while at the same time, like all while at the same time, I was still studying for my Cicerone certification. So I was just kind of like trying to cover all my bases.
1: That's pretty dope. Yeah. I find that interesting. Um, I feel like that type of personality in a craft brewery is like, it's not something you can teach someone. And I've, I've experienced a lot of brewers who are just like a little bit younger in the industry. Uh, it it's harder for them to learn. Like I've met a lot of people who kind of have had like egos about feeling entitled to like, get to the next level or learn something else versus I feel like when I was growing through the industry, I always felt like I owed the industry something or owed my job something and Mm. kind of had that similar tenacity where I'm like, I'm going to keep asking for more work until you give me more work so that you trust me to do this work and so that I can do this other job. And I find Mm. that, find that interesting and it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. I saw this, I saw this one, I heard someone say once where it's just like, you know, you need to put yourself in the situation ask questions because no one's going to come knocking at your door and show you and teach you how to do things you have to open yourself up to it so that was that was the attitude i had as a cook so i kind of just carried it over to brewing
1: Heck yeah, that's awesome. Um, You may have, like, I, I feel like within that story, I, you probably have kind of even touched on a couple, like, crazy, like, or big pivot points is the way I look at it, of, like, things that happened that made you think differently and either change your trajectory or um, just make you think, like, okay, I should do something else or just put you in a new direction. Is there is there anything that stands out for you? Uh,
2: career-wise, it was definitely... Um... My last, <clears throat> like my last kitchen job, I was a sous chef of a of a restaurant. I opened up with a buddy of mine, and there was one day I won't forget. I was prepping, and I had an anxiety attack. I didn't know it was an anxiety attack at the time, but my vision started blurring. Oh wow! On the outside, and I'm just like, I don't know what to do. This is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took a good hard look and took the advice of of like took the advice from. Uh, a woman I was dating at the time, and she was like, you need to go to therapy. And I'm just like, okay, okay, fine, I'll do it. And so took a step back, started going to therapy, and that in and of itself, I mean, it, it, it all happened at once. Like leaving one career I said, you know, I went to school for, like spend a bunch of money on, you know, leaving that and trying to change into like brewing and then also going like, okay, I need to take a good hard look at myself now. Um yeah, it was really just like that one pivotal moment that I was like, all right, something needs to happen because I'm very familiar with this feeling. I just didn't know what it was at the time. So I needed mm-hmm. to address it immediately.
1: That's awesome. I'm glad you had someone there to like encourage you to like get that checked out too, because I think there's so many people that go along the way that just ignore it and they think like this is my norm and this is just what I have to put up with. So that's awesome. Um now it, I feel like it sounds like a silly question or like a cliche question, but with like you having a culinary career, I've seen a few brewers who kind of have had that transition. Is mm. there anything that sticks out as far as like things that became applicable besides what you already mentioned about like the tenacity aspect of it and like mm. just being a go getter? Um, is there anything else that translated?
2: Uh, definitely, definitely. When it comes to organization and planning, um, with cooking, it was with cooking. It was just like you know you had to plan out your day, plan out your week. you know, you're responsible for you know all your prep and just had to like, you know, it's just like you are you are the mother of the station. You have to make sure it goes well. So with that, um, once I, once I was finally pulled into the brewery, I, f- I found that to be very helpful because planning, setting yourself up just so that it makes it just so that the rest of the day can go smoothly and effortlessly. So like I, so like throughout the day, it's always like, I'm always three, four, sometimes 10 steps ahead in my head just to set everything up, not only for myself, but for everyone else. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's this philosophy that I, that I learned from a restaurant where the idea that you approach your work day with, you plan everything and you get everything done with moving your feet as little as possible. Hmm. Kind of a thing. It's just I like, like that. So, so yeah, it was just it, like, so doing that, I was like, all right, cool. Like I'm not too familiar with just being in a brewery per se, but I understand what the goal is, what needs to be done. And so then I'm like, all right, how can I set myself up to do that? So that made it significantly easier for me. And and it was almost effortless to transition into brewing from cooking with, um, in that aspect.
1: Yeah. it sounds like it. I I feel like I know exactly what you mean and exactly what you're saying. And I think I learned that early on in my career as well with like starting out in a production position where all of this work was on my plate for the entire weekend. And no matter what, I couldn't leave on that Sunday unless all that work got done. So figuring out how to organize things so that it, like you said, moving your feet as little as possible. If I have to go up these stairs and then come back down and then go back up because I forgot something or I didn't bring something that could have been done while I was up there, I think it goes so far. But also I maybe you kind of said it, whereas I kind of looked at especially once I started managing other brewers, was that I knew I had to go into my work day thinking about what would also make their life a little easier because if you have that dynamic back and forth, like maybe it's as simple as like setting up a hose or moving something because you know that that person needs it like next as well and stuff like that. Um, I think definitely goes a long way, Well, that's awesome. That's absolutely great. Um, so I, I want to jump into your trip to your your move to Denmark um before that too I just like I still find it so amazing because I didn't also like when we started like interacting I didn't realize like you knew Natalie and even a couple other people that I was acquainted with and mm. I found that amazing and I think that's great because Natalie is one of my favorite people ever in this entire world
2: yeah yeah uh what is it <clears throat> yeah like I mean I, I knew I knew Natalie for you know like probably since probably since the beginning actually you know this is even when i was trying to get when i was trying to get into a brewing job i applied for a position at breakside and now they now they gave me like a little bit of like a tour of the uh facility large facilities and i was like all right cool but it wasn't until like probably within the past year that we actually like got closer and started like talking and hanging out more and do all this mm-hmm. stuff i mean i mean what was it we were just at the coast with some other friends this past oh, that's
1: awesome that's amazing. Um, yeah, she's doing, we're doing this beer here called May Queen and it's kind of like our pink boots beer, but, um, it's not directly related to like the inner, the yearly one,
2: Mm. but
1: it became just like this really epic female collaboration with this other brewery. So last year I asked them to do it and I brought one of my brewers, who's a female on into the collab and then they, their artist, who she's the one I went to Austin with and we became really good friends through it. So she came in to do the art and then we um, collaborated with a local uh, woman who uh, has like a tea shop. So she Mm -hmm. came into it and then connected us with the person who owns the apiary for the honey for this clap. And it just became this pretty epic thing. And this year we're doing it again, making a few alterations and inviting my friend Katie who just opened a brewery called Coven Brewing Company into the collab too. So we're just like, it's awesome. So I was telling Natalie about it because the names derive from the movie Midsummer, and, yeah. and so I was like, dude, like, this is going to be <laughs> awesome. And she's like, maybe I can brew it out here. And I was like, oh my God, yes, please do that. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and she'd actually just texted me a couple of days ago about possibly coming out to brew it at steeplejack with her. And uh, yeah. So I was like, this sounds awesome. I'm going to try. I was looking at tickets. I'm like, they're kind of expensive, but I would like to be there for the collab.
2: Oh yeah. Like um, even like both Anna and Annie of Steeplejack. I adore them dearly. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, What's it called? Like um, Anna, Anna knew me even before, like even when I was just beer tending a little beast. And so um, she's also been like very prominent, you know, in my career here Um, since then. I mean, she's always been kind of like, one, like one of the people that's been like my own, like personal little um, cheerleaders.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
2: They just even like, even to the extent once I started, once I started brewing, you know, like her and I would start talking and I, and I was just like, I'm really new to this. Like, and she's like, no, 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 no. You might know <laughs> things that I don't know. Yeah. So I felt very pertinent. I was like, thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah. It, I, I, <clears throat> I hear something in that. Cause I feel like I see it all the time where people like minimize themselves in this industry because they're so new. Whereas like the woman I just moved um, in with or where my camper is, she does that to me all the time. I'm like, no, like you are, she's like less than two years into this. And I'm like, you have instincts that I've never seen in brewers. I was like, you have done so many cool things with your life that you could apply to your job. Like, don't be quiet, always like speak up because like what, you know, might help all of us. And I think that I like, if that could be a message for everyone who's like getting into the beer industry, like just, just like be brave enough to say something. Cause you might actually make a good impact. So Exactly. Yeah. And Anna, I haven't met her in person yet, but I know she's part of the rock bo- bottom fam or ex mm-hmm. rock bottom fam.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so like many of us, I think, um. I was down when I was in Austin, I ran into Dan Anderson, who is also from the rock bottom family. And there's like this nickname for all the ex-brewers from rock bottom. It's called like the order of the black Phoenix or something like that. (laughs) I was like,
0: all right.
1: Yeah. Hmm. That's amazing. Jackets made. (laughs) Uh,
2: What was it? Yeah. It wasn't until just recently that I realized I was like, wow, a lot of people came out of rock bottom. Like
1: yeah there's a girl carly who's brewing in north carolina right now who who worked actually with dan i think they were in the la jolla location and she actually like we 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 talked so often she actually came up for the last year i did brutal beer fest to like go to the festival i was like this is fucking awesome i was like is there any way you could bring beer (laughs) like you know (laughs) like i won't tell anyone if you don't
2: Oh, that's great.
1: I love how integrated this industry is. And I think like the more you start talking to people and put yourself out there, like the closer the circle gets to you. You're like, holy shit. Um, Well, cool. Talk to me about Denmark. We're going to, we're going to get there. Let's go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it? Um, I've so I f- like, like, so for what, like before the pandemic, I got my dual citizenship finalized for my parents through Poland. Is, oh. there, is Poland's part of the Eid? Mm-hmm. And so I made it kind of like a long-term goal, like cool, very cool, eventually I'm gonna move out to Europe and start my life. Um, and so um, maybe within the past six months, I will like, yeah, about, yeah, about six months ago, I kind of just made a mental goal, like, all right, you need to start searching. And so I started, like, you started going, looking at pro brewers, started like following other breweries out in Europe because I didn't really have a a country per se I wanted to go to. It was more of like, (laughs) I want to find a brewery that will help me grow and also give me more experience in what I want to end up doing. Can I ask
1: a pause for a second? What do you, do you remember like the reason or like, what was the thing besides knowing that this was like a lifetime goal? Like, what was the thing that made you say, I need to actually start doing this?
2: Uh, I, um, let's see, because I was, let's see, I kind of had the, this thought in my head. I was like, all right, come March is going to be like two years brewing a little beast and four years at little beast. And that's a, good chunk of time altogether mm-hmm. actually actually this is the longest job I've ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> they um,
1: suck you in.
2: Oh yeah. And so I, I was like, you, know, I, I, I need, I need to make this move, uh, not only just professionally, but it's, it was, it was, it grew to be more of like a life change and life goal that I wanted because living on it is every time I've gone to Europe, I've always felt at home because I grew up, I grew up with like, um, I grew up with, you know, Eastern European parents. So like, it didn't matter which country I went to, I always felt at home and comfortable. That's cool. All these like, sense of these like European sensibilities and approaches. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. So, um, so then I, yeah, it, it just became more of like, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. So I just started searching. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, Back, back before, back before the, um, uh, back before when our industry had the Me Too movement, um, I applied for McKellar Boghaven. Um and um and that and and that and that fell through. But then I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna keep trying other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I saw a, um, I saw a posting for Toole. For their barrel program, and I was like, "Cool, I want to do that." So mm-hmm. I applied, um, got contacted by the head brewer Tamar, and so she was like, "Yeah, cool. Let's get you know, like, I'll we'll let you know if we if we uh, move you on to the next round." I'm like, "Great, fantastic." I'm like, Rad, I got, I I hooked on something." Yeah, um, and so, um, but then but then they came back and they're like, "Hey, you know what? Like, they're like, hey, we're not going to move you through, but you know, please be in touch." I said, "Brad, thank you." Um, And I asked the question like, all right, what would make me um, a better candidate in the future if I were to apply again? And so Tamar responded with, she was like, you, you know, like you have everything that we wanted, but we needed someone like in two weeks. Mm. You're not here.
1: I got you. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. So, so that's just kind of like, I put that on the back burner. I kept looking at other places, kept applying, no responses, of course, to a lot. And then I said, and then one day I was like, you know what, I, when she said that, I kind of, that stuck, that stuck with me. I was like, maybe that's why, maybe that's what I need to do. I just need to just go out there,
0: travel mm-hmm. around
2: and talk to people and see. Um, and that's, and so once I bought my ticket, that's what kind of lit, um, just kind of lit the fuse for everything. Because then, yeah. because ever since then, it's just been, a, it's just been rolling. Like I I didn't expect to have A job, let alone two offers from different breweries, but before I even got out there.
1: What what was the other one?
2: Uh, It was Neville Brewing out of the Netherlands. Okay. So So
1: for this round then, did you pretty much were like, you kept in touch. You said, hey, I am actually going to be coming. Can we revisit this? Is that kind of the trajectory of that?
2: Yeah, well, um, well, after I purchased the ticket, I saw that they had another... um, posting for mm. Joel, just at the brewery and not the not not with the barrel stuff I was like cool so applied again did that and um I was just going through the going through the interview process and all at the same time Neville was looking for a brewer so I was kind of like juggling back and forth like what was it I was getting up at like 4 30 in the morning just to have video interviews
1: yeah seriously
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's in yeah it's 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 just been nuts
1: i'm i'm so happy that you're doing that um i think there is something to say about like um like there's this latin phrase like faxi fastest like if you're gonna do it do it and um i kind of felt that a similar feeling like last year when i decided to do the camper thing is that i was like if i don't do this now i'm never going to do it and it like kind of sounds like you're doing that a similar thing for yourself
2: too Yeah, and yeah, and uh yeah, and 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 that's the thing. It's like you know, um it's always been more of I I would much rather like I would like I I know I I would sleep better knowing I tried something and you know instead of going to bed and going like why didn't I try this? You know, or just like what happened? Like, no, I can't like that feeds into my anxiety. So I do stuff. So it doesn't yeah. feed into my anxiety. I
1: mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, let's fear up for a second. Okay. Then you end up hating the company. Okay, cool. Well, now you're in Europe. There's going to be other breweries, you know, or you're like, fuck it. I don't really like being overseas. I miss my family. I miss my friends, whatever you can fucking come back. You know, they think there's like so many things that can be mitigated by just going and doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty fucking amazing. I, I was very curious because I feel like I, I kind of mentioned this before we started recording, like how, how brave I feel like it is that you're doing this because I know very few people who would take that sort of chance for themselves. And I, and I, I commend you, but I was curious, like kind of how have you been processing through the emotions of like making such a big jump? Cause you kind of talk you you brought up anxiety quite a bit. So I was curious, like, are you having to like manage that? And if so, like, what are you doing to work through it?
2: Um, well, it hasn't it hasn't like it's it has been a lot on my head i you know I won't deny that, but i've um every day I've been waking up, I'm like, all right, cool, I have a list of stuff I need to get done, you know, and I just just not just like knock out certain things like every day, just so that you know leading up to the last day i'm you know I'm not gonna feel like I have anything, I'm not gonna feel like I've like left anything, and so it's just like. Especially with me, um, when I get up in the morning, I get up and I just start moving. I really, I I really don't lay about much.
1: Sure, uh, sure.
2: So, so I just, you know, sadly, sadly, I wish other things were open as early as when I get up. Sometimes I have to wait.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> like, like, it was just like even just like even going and getting like my oil change in my car, which I may sell this week. But like, I got up, I am like, all right, cool, I'm going to go get it, get the oil change. I get there, I'm like, oh, they don't open for another half hour. Fine, <laughs> but um, but yeah, but yeah, it's just it's been, you know, I um, I've just been just keeping it just a constant list. It's been I've been shortening it, growing it, um, and just taking little steps, and then also not overstraining myself and just like oh, I need to get this all done today. No, mm-hmm. I don't like. I'm like, all right, I have the energy to do this. I'm gonna get this done. I'm gonna take it as far as I can. And that's it. And I'll just put in whatever I don't do, push it to the next day.
1: Yeah. No, I think it's good. Cause I feel like even just from afar, I've seen you like even prioritizing just being around people too. And I mm. think that's really important.
2: Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. That's, that's been very, that's been helpful. And, you know, I, you know, because also I just like, you know, I want to share the whatever last little bit I have left here with everyone. So,
1: yeah. Is there any sort of like, I cannot leave Portland without going to this place at least once or twice. I'm also, I'm also asking that selfishly so that the next time I visit, I go there.
2: (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Um, Yeah, I honestly, any of the wine bars or wine places we have here, I'm just trying to get any of the wines that are natural wines that I can get my hands on. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Um like there there's a wonderful I still need to go, but there's a wonderful uh, wine bar called Lacave Um here in Northeast Portland where you like you go down these steps and you know and it's in a cave, literally. It's like under it it used to be a, the an old boiler room for the where there used to be a theater upstairs.
1: Is that but, that's not related to the like block 15 Lacave in Corvallis, is it? Like they didn't like open no. okay, because I knew there was one that's pretty much called this exact same thing there, but all right, continue.
2: Yeah, yeah. like uh, What was it? Yeah. It's just two two winemakers, John House of Ovum Wines and Jeff Rear of uh, Golden Cluster Wines. They got together and they wanted to create a wine bar that they even wanted to go to. Mm. So I need to go there because every time I've gone there, I've always been like, eh, all right, I'm in the mood for, I give them some like weird description of what kind of wine I'm in, in the mood for. And, and like everyone over there is like super helpful and understanding like, like oh, what is it? Like, you know, like for example, I'd be like, yeah, uh, I want a wine that, you know, you would share with your significant other while you're, you know, having a picnic in a meadow naked and feeding them oranges. Like, what would you have with that?
1: (laughs) I like that so much. Cause I was like, (laughs) I want a wine that expresses this experience. That's perfect. (laughs) And I, and and I'm not, you're like, I'm not going to go do that, but that's how I want to feel right now. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I like that a lot. Well, that's pretty cool. How do you approach hard topics like conflicts, challenges, and whether we're talking about interpersonal or like
2: work? Uh, so now, uh, now at this point in my life, I, I usually just take the time to sit back and figure out what, what needs to be addressed. If I'm feeling, if I'm feeling, you know, if I'm feeling like someone, is, if I feel like there's a conflict between me and someone else, or I, or if, or if even if I'm feeling comfortable with something, I sit back and just take the time to be like, all right, why am I feeling uncomfortable? Is it just me? Is it them? You know, so on and so forth. Um, and then with that, I will kind of like create like a little like uh, map in my head. I'm like, all right, like this is the outline of why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Mm. Um, and so then I will, you know, I have no problem approaching people and talking to them and be like, hey, all right, we need to sit down and talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. if you're if you're ready to talk about it, great, let's do it. Or let me know when you are ready. We can do that. Um, I'm I I like to just nip everything in the butt just to mm-hmm. kind of I don't like sitting and waiting. I'm just like, mm-hmm. no, I'm like that's let's just get it done and over (laughs) with. And if like, and you know what, and for me, even at the very end, that if it comes to something, even if we end up just being on just a level playing field, that's a win for me. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think it, I, I really agree it's like the, I think it's a worse feeling to like sit on it than literally deal with the anxiety of having to approach a conversation. Um, and I, I like I like how you approach it a lot. I had this one, I wouldn't really call her a mentor. She was like just a working at a rock bottom for a short period of time filling in. And I was having an issue with one of my brewers at the time. And I was like, I need to have a good conversation. I need to have a serious conversation. But like my anxiety has lessened over the years. The more I do this, the more comfortable I get. But uh, at that time I was like, you know, body crippling, like- anxious oh, yeah. to like have that sort of conversation with someone and I love her advice saying it's just like just speak from the heart because like I will oftentimes like plan the entire conversation out in my head or literally write it down but mm-hmm. I think there was something more genuine about approaching the conversation to just like speaking honestly truthfully and just like from my heart in that moment
2: yeah yeah absolutely because because, like you as much as your anxiety in your head just makes it go like oh my god this is gonna like be the worst thing in the world and blah 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 Mm -hmm. but like once you speak from the heart and be honest and forthright with people you'd be surprised at how many people are actually more receptive to that than not totally and you know and, and you know you know even if whether um the person gets upset or whatever they still respect you that you've been Honest with them, and and you haven't given them anything else to think about other than they know exactly what position you're in to them, kind of a thing.
1: Yeah. And I, I think what also helped me, and I don't, I mean, I know it's like a very stoic idea to like, you can't control what someone else is going to think or feel or say or whatever. But so I think I learned that before that. But I think eventually adopting that and knowing that and reminding myself that. No matter what, if I speak my truth, and if even if they're not happy with that truth, I still did it, and I I know I can't control that. So, no matter what the outcome is, um, because I even found it a couple times, I'm like I'd have these really honest conversations, and nothing would really end up changing. But that mm-hmm. was the part that was outside of my control. It was like if they're not going to be receptive to that, then there's not much I can do here, you know? Yeah.
2: Ex- yeah. Um. Uh. A dear friend of mine, Lee, she said. I remember one time she was she was like, you know what? I'm responsible, I'm only responsible for my words, not how, not, I'm not responsible for how you take them.
1: Right. Absolutely. And I, I find that, I don't know how you feel about this, but I always find it so interesting how misconstrued words can be or how we ingest them and then regurgitate them back out based on our own experiences and traumas. And like, I feel like I've experienced that so many times over and over again, just like in my relationships with people, I'm just like, okay, I said this very honest thing with you and you took it as this thing. That's like down the road, maybe in another town. And that's not what I meant. Um, but I, but I, there's nothing I can do if that's what someone's truth is going to be.
2: right right i I, right i think i think at least at least for me um you know or what anyone can do is just you know speak your truth and you'll be forthright and do it with intent and as be try to be as clear as possible as you can be um you you know even just you know like don't you know take take all the time you need but don't bring don't do don't make your decisions or what you're talking about do it with with strictly off of emotion because i learned many times that doesn't help Mm -hmm. so it's like take the time figure out what you'd like to say and just say it forthright with intent
1: I, i have two i have two things that like were sparked after that um there's other idea that's like we have you know two ears one mouth meaning like you should listen more and talk less and i think like That goes a long way when you're trying to like actually understand someone or at least understand how they're interpreting you, because Mm -hmm. I think that'll allow you to like be clearer. And, you know, I sometimes catch myself being like, I don't need to like mold myself to people because that kind of triggers this people pleaser thing. But at the same time, if you're more effective at communicating with people, then you're going to have a better interaction and people are going to have better understanding of one another. And I think that's a little bit more powerful. Um, the other thought that I had is that I started adopting this thing, like probably in the last couple years where mm-hmm. you either have to solve the problem, accept the problem or leave the problem. And like, even if I have anyone who ever comes to me, like I more so say it when it's like the same problems over and over again, but I I still, but I apply it to myself, you know, Um, first mode is if I'm having this like challenge with someone else, can I solve it? Can we come to an agreement where we're both on equal footing? Um, Can I accept it that it's never going to change and never be that way and never, never be any different? Um, Or is it the time where I just have to walk away? And I feel like approaching things that way has kind of given me this, like, roadmap, getting through problems with people or just situations, whether it's work or whatever.
2: Right. And right. And, you know, um, I don't like, uh, I recently like within, like probably around probably around the middle, middle of the whole lockdown while I was still working, it was just like, you know, um, I was talking, talking with my work wife, Audrey, she was our rep at the time. And she, you know, and, you know, and she said one thing to me, she's like, you if there, if there isn't, if, if you want to bring up an issue, at the very do your best to at least have a solution when you you know after mm. you break it up totally so but but then yeah but then yeah it's just you know it's also you know it comes to like a little just like kind of like check and balance with yourself like you know is this something that's even worth me trying to you know solve or do i yeah or just like what you said just like do I need to just let it go and walk away or mm. at the very least like leave on amicable ground. And that's it.
1: I think with what you just said, I heard that um, just in a lot of ways, I think what can develop is a better understanding about how you feel and having that connection with like, by being able to come up with a solution, you learn to understand how you're feeling better so that you understand how, how you need to be treated. And I think that also helps a lot of people is being able to communicate like this happened and this is what I need um, it can be really powerful for also developing interpersonal relationships too. Absolutely. Heck I yeah. love that. Oh my gosh. What a great little, man. <laughs> I love all that type of stuff. Um, <laughs> we'll come into some of my not so rapid fire questions. which will probably spawn another 10 minute conversation about something. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm always curious about what is something that you've changed your mind about? And whether you're talking about like super recently or literally like ten
2: years ago? Oh, uh, let's see, what if I change my mind about you? Know, well, um, for a uh, for a while, um, working in the restaurant industry, you're or the you know, in the older iteration I w- of it, I would say, because it's having it's it's having its own resurgence and change as well. Um, you know, it was just like very, it's a very just like toxic environment that was just like, you know, like you resent people next to you, you resent people you work with. And so all you can do is just like get mad and tell them to hurry the fuck up and be like, you know, like you, no one is actually being helpful because I, you know, being growing in my time in the restaurant industry, growing up in it, it was kind of like, you know, you're responsible for yourself you got to figure it out and you just got to make things happen. There's it, because there's no such thing as excuses there, you know, it's just like, if you like, if you want something done, make sure it's done yesterday kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, And so while I understand now that that's kind of, that that was just kind of implemented in a way of just kind of just going like, all right, you know, you need to just push and get things going and moving and all that stuff. But, but now, now it's, I've changed my mind on it now it's more of just like while I do still believe in the push and the drive of things um not everyone is receptive to those kinds of environments Mm -hmm. um so I've changed it I've kind of changed it up but I see it differently kind of just going spending time with people individually and going like you know seeing how they respond to they respond to certain things, and then of course, like make adjustments as you know, make adjustments as I go along. Because, I mean, even for me, like you know, getting yelled at and you know being told I was a piece of shit and they you go know, why this why that I am not receptive to that. That's not how I work. It's right. more of like, like hey, you need like I want someone just to tell me hey this is incorrect and this is how you this is how you need to fix it. That's it. That's all I need.
1: Right. Like, Did you ever have, um, like this kind of even sounds off of even like mentors or like managers that you had, um, who were good role models for what you're talking about, like managing people, how they need to be managed versus like, okay, I know how to manage this very specific way, whether that was a, in the beer industry or the restaurant industry.
2: Um, yeah, um, I think uh, this one restaurant I worked at in San Diego called Blanca, um, the chef, Gavin Schmidt, that um, he was working with him was wonderful in the sense that he was always very level headed, but always had fun, always had fun about things. And he never like I like, you know, saw him get upset or annoyed, but he never like he never took it out on you. Yeah. whatsoever um but still by the end of the but still at the end of the day you know he talked to you as a person and respected you as a person but he was also very forthright and just going like hey like no you you need to fix this because you know x y and z this is going to be wrong so you need to fix it now so it was still like very um it was a big like like when it came to him like telling me something was wrong he was just forthright with it And I, over time, I learned not to take that personally. And now I'm like, all right, that's how I'm going to be talked to. But, but, uh, but, but he also, but still, he always talked with you as a person, um, always had fun and he was always very engaging. I was like, when I had questions, he always, he always helped me, you know, he took the time to like come off of his work to be like, all right, cool. This is how you do it. And this is why not just do it as I say it, do Mm -hmm. it and do it and this is the reason why so that's 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 always like that's left a large impact on me
1: that's awesome I really like that a lot um it kind of reminds me of I heard the story on it was on some podcast and it was like if you really want to be effective at one particular thing your actions have to follow that. And I don't, I can't remember if it was exactly the the example they used or just how I interpreted it, Mm. but I was thinking about me managing people and trying to be better and more effective and figure out how like to learn better at what they need. And I thought at a point where I was like, I'm like, I'm doing the best that I possibly can with all the things I've learned over the years and realize in one split second of hearing that I was like, shit. I, uh, yeah, I, so here's the story is that I always wanted my entire team to feel 110% coming to me literally with any problem, any new hire I was like, or anyone I started working with, I'd be like, I'd rather have you tell me to go fuck myself than to hold it in and not talk to me. But what I realized Mm -hmm. is that if there was a problem, sometimes, you know, even doing like a Oh my God. Like kind of response can uh, be like a microaggression in people's heads sometimes. So I realized that if, if my, if the thing I want is for people to feel 110% comfortable coming to me with hard things that they're nervous to tell me, I have to have zero response like that. I have to go into yeah. it being like, cool, let's go. Um, let's solve this problem.
2: <clears throat> and that you know, that that's, something, that's something that I'm learning still. Um, of course, uh, Whenever kid like whenever I've come to like like direct people or like or like manage people, it's just always like been like, you know, I, I I always check myself to to never, you know, to never turn into what my old what some of my old bosses used to be. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, but 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 I'm still learning to kind of be like, all right, like like don't have a reaction, sit and listen and you know talk to people um and it, it's still like it's still a little weird for me and i'm getting used to that um and that's that's what I'm, that's also another thing that i'm looking forward to learning working at to old is like it's it's a big company so mm-hmm. i gonna be dealing with a lot of people i mean i'm gonna be a new hire but like it's still like i guess it's gonna be in it's gonna be a cool dynamic to kind of like learn a different perspective on how they do things and how people approach me and vice versa. Um,
1: yeah, not only just of being a new company, but you're dealing with a new country and like, what are their perceptions of how they take things or what they think about the beer industry too, which I think yeah. is cool. I think it'll be a great, a great learning experience for that too.
2: Yeah. And yeah, it's like, I mean, like I always tell, like, I always tell people, you know, guess, you know even with people that I worked with, I was like, please come talk to me about anything. Like <laughs> I can like even but like you know even go back to like you know like what you said about the microaggressions like I'm very expressive <laughs> and so it's you no know, whether it be my face or whatever like I'm very very expressive but like it's it's still it's some of those things I'm like I'm like if someone says like hey I I haven't I have an issue we need to talk about this I mean like I can like on a dime go like all right cool listen talk about it and you know figure it out but it's I'm still, I'm still, learning, I'm still learning that because it's still like, I like, I'm a go getter, I'm a pusher. I like to kind of go like, all right, let's go, like, mm-hmm. let's do this, and you know, and just kind of like, I know, I've always, I guess, I've always strived to kind of be someone in the long term, you know, mentor someone into being like, you know, uh, just kind of because I've had, well, like I've had mentors push me you know, to, to a degree where I'm, sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? Why does this feel uncomfortable? But then it wasn't until I moved on from that, that I realized I'm like, oh, that's what you were trying to tell me. Like, Mm. it's always been after the fact. (laughs) And so, and so I've, I've been kind of more, just kind of go like, I don't know, just trying to get, trying to be people's cheerleaders, but then also, you know, be, be support and push people to a certain direction that they want to go and kind of even just be, even just myself, just being an example, I try to be, my, be an example myself, mm-hmm. be like, Hey, like, I know you're uncomfortable with this, but you just push that line. You go, you cross over that line just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel better afterwards.
1: Totally. But- I, I feel that very hard. Cause I think it's like really difficult to, um, and i feel like i used to be the i used to have this it used to be worse i should say <laughs> it's <a> better <bit laughs> now uh where i would just have this expectation for people that they would work the same exact way that i would that mm-hmm. they would understand that you should be three or four steps in front ahead of you and thinking about the long like the whole day and like what the goal of the kind of what you expressed and when i realized that in ways you kind of have to teach people that that was like one of those like turning points where I'm like, okay, how do I approach training people to be able to think about their day in the grand scheme and plan it accordingly so that they can be the most effective, get them get as much work done as we possibly can, because there's always stuff to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I definitely can echo that a lot. Um, so I, I like this question because I feel like we've talked a lot and I think people who are interested in getting into the industry will be really interested in this episode. But what advice would you give yourself, like whether you're talking about before you got in the industry or even when you were 20 or what if adv- we can look at it also as like, what advice would you give someone who is looking to get in the beer industry?
2: I would say start, well, like first of all, just start reading books. Like, I'm, like, my first, my first, um, when I first, when I was first given the job at Proletariat, um, my, my buddy and my first beer dad, uh, he, I love
1: hearing about every family member. I haven't heard about your beer mom yet. (laughs) (laughs) I met your wife, met your dad.
2: (laughs) And I I don't think I have a beer mom yet. Well, yeah, no, not yet. I will. But, uh. (laughs) But and but yeah, my beer dad, Mr. Corey Bonfiglio, um he he was like, all right, go buy Randy Mosher's tasting beer and read it. That was that was his own that was his only thing he wanted me to do to work at proletariat. I said, All right, cool, done. Went and bought it, started reading it. Um, so that I would I would say start with that and start start hanging around like beer industry professionals, talk with them, like listen to their stories and kind of just kind of like um, hear them out, listen to them. Um, Even just even, um, even beer beer tenders listen to them as well. It's there, there's a certain, there's a certain transaction that happens when you put yourself in that situation, start talking to people and you actually listen and hear them out. They're going to be a lot, a lot more receptive to what you have to say and what your goals might be. And you'd be surprised at how many people go, "Oh, hey, I know this person. Let me get you connected with them." Totally. Kind of a thing.
1: I love that. I love that a lot. Um, And also, I feel like there's a lot of brewers, and I think we're being two examples of very loose lips with just like, "Yeah, this is what I did." You know, I think, but I think that's who we are. Like, there's a lot of very friendly people. Who, you know, you obviously have to watch out for some of the some of the not so good ones, but I think for the most part, you're going to find there's a lot to learn from people. And, um, even talking about mentors, like I, I kind of feel like I kind of had one, but I just took from it what I could, you know, um, like learning about management and stuff like that, but like hearing his experience, I think definitely exposed me very early to like the good and the bad of this industry. Like if you're dealing with like a jaded brewer, um, you learn a lot and you're, you're aware of a lot after that point. Uh Um, (laughs) so I I think there's always like interesting things you can learn from one another. Um, so we're gaining up on an hour. So what I want to wrap this up with, and I think it's probably the most important question. Um, and it's not on the list.
2: Oh, all right. Bring it. (laughs) I think you're ready. Oh yeah.
1: Uh, what, is like, what is like your favorite comfort meal, top to bottom?
2: Oh, hmm. I
1: have to ask because you're always posting about cooking and I'm always jealous. And I was like, I wish we could have met in person and I could have been like, feed me.
2: So for me, I feel like the one while I am a huge fan of vegetables, I absolutely adore them. And I'm all, even by inspired by vegetables. Um, I feel like the dish I love to make for everyone. That's almost like my kind of like here, I'm bringing you into my fold and let me just, let me comfort you with food. It's, it's, well, it's actually, no two dishes. One is carbonara. I love mm-hmm. making carbonara. Like that's my, like, that's like my lazy go-to dinner cook. Yeah. Simple, easy cheese, guanciale black pepper and pasta. Great. Um, and then the other one is that, so every Christmas I always hosted a, um, an orphan Christmas. I had people come over to my house. Um, I, my parents being Polish, I always bust out pierogies beforehand,
1: man. I wish you could visit (laughs) Pittsburgh before you left. I'll take you on the pierogi tour.
2: Oh my God. They'd probably just sit there, just go through every pierogi shop and just be like, Hmm. Yeah, judge,
1: you're gonna judge them. I'll, I'll bring you to the <laughs> places where they actually like hand make them and yeah. <laughs> oh, uh,
2: uh, I was just, this, just this past Christmas, I kind of like set a precedent that like, everyone's like, you ruined pierogies. Now I'll never get pierogies like this ever again. So I made pierogies, but I also decided to go all out in the sense, like I bought foie gras and caviar. So everyone got one pierogi with a slice of foie gras and caviar and creme fraiche on top for like their first bite. <laughs>
1: Oh my God,
2: dude,
1: <laughs> I, uh, that sounds amazing. Well, living deliciously. Sounds so good. <laughs> um, I do need to hear, uh, cause you said it and I, I wanted to stop you then you said vegetables inspire you. And I'm very curious in what way or like, what else you have to say
0: about that?
2: Uh, it's the colors, the flavors, the shapes, all of it, like I go to the farmers market. And I just look. I'm like, all right. I see this cool new vegetable that's coming out. I'm gonna do something. Um, and actually, it's really um, Like especially like especially like right now. I mean, it's a short window. But when green garlic comes out, like mm. spring garlic, just the smell is extremely intoxicating. That I just like. I wish I could have it all year, but it's but still like with great things you can only have within a short period of time. So that's why I look forward to spring every year. And then I just kind of just mm-hmm. like riff off of that. Be like, what two things look, look good together and I'll just roll with that. So
1: that's really awesome. Can you talk me through the experience? Cause I saw Natalie did it. And then I saw you did it <clears throat> with working hmm. with that meet the maker. Um, can yeah. you talk me through, tell me, tell the audience what it is and like what that process looked like.
2: Uh, so the meet the maker series, um, was started, it started by, um, a pizza place here called pizza thief. Um, a uh, gentleman named Darby he's originally from Los Angeles he came up here to start his own pizza gig um, and so on Mondays they wanted to you know bring in industry friends just to make like a cool like little event it's usually like earlier in the week things are kind of slow so they you know like cool like let's make a fun little thing out of it um, yeah. and so um, my dear friend Gemma she uh, she runs all that and she she's I thought I was a social butterfly. She's a social butterfly here, but she, um, she, she knows a bunch of people in all of the aspects within the, in, within the food and beverage industry. So she was like, all right, cool. So she just started assigning people and every week, every week, you know, this person comes in, um, like, or at least in my experience, I talked with Darby, I texted him. I'm like, Hey, like, like what's at the farmer's market right now, I'm feeling this. And we just kind of just, uh, put ideas back and forth and so we just I met up with him at the market we got we got all the stuff together and even like added added a couple things to the pizza and so we um and this and so it was like we made the pizza then we brought the little beast beer and so people just come and hang out on Mondays and just try that one-off pizza and hang out with the maker kind of a thing it was just like it's it's really fun and like it's rolled into this thing that like everyone looks forward to doing it and now everyone just wants to be like oh wait I want to get on this now (laughs) yeah
1: no it does sound really fun genuinely it looks it sounds delicious and I feel like all the pizzas that I've been seeing made I'm like "Mm -mm -mm, I need to visit Oregon soon soon oh yeah yeah, it looks amazing sounds fun (laughs) but cool well do you have anything you want to leave the audience with also if you want to plug like social medias or wherever you don't have to if you don't want to but Here's your time to shine.
2: Uh, well, I mean, if you want to find me on Instagram, it's really not exciting, but it's just what I, it just what happens in like my day to day life. If um, my Instagram is Timmy13T. It's the same, same handle I've had since I had AOL and some messenger.
1: Fuck yeah, messenger. Fuck yeah, it's it
2: is. <laughs> <laughs> same damn one, and then, and then also and also what. <laughs> Also, um, I did this on purpose. Um, I wore my, my, uh, body t-shirt that mm-hmm. says no one deserves happiness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. The body's great too. So that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'm wearing my creature feature, um, uh, creature from the left gloom that it says has lyrics to love hurts on it. Yes. <laughs> so perfect. Um, Well, I appreciate you coming on so much. I'm glad we finally got to do this because we talked about doing it, what? Like two, three months ago and just never. Um, Well, cool. That's awesome. It was nice chatting with you. And I wish you so much luck in Denmark and I am going to do my damnedest to come visit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Just say when.
1: (laughs) Okay. When? Yeah. Okay. That was the most dad joke I could have ever fucking said right there.
2: Oh, don't don't get me started on dad jokes. I, (laughs) I, people hate mine, but I'm, I love them and I keep laughing at them even to myself.
1: Do you have any right offhand that you could share? That'll, that could be your last like leaving comment. (sighs) If you don't, it's okay.
2: I don't. It's usually, it usually like happens like right off the cuff and it's all about Mm -hmm. the timing.
1: (laughs) It is, it is absolutely. Um, the woman I'm living with now, she has them all the fucking time and I'm just like, I gave her a deadpan start and was like, are you fucking shitting me? Did you just say that? Okay, I love you. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to stop recording. Meow.